It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Every day, 1.1 million people travel through American points of entry, according to statistics from U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. And of that, almost 700,000 are people coming in by land. Of those numbers, almost 300,000 come in by privately owned vehicles. At the same time, depending on their way in, CBP gets fingerprints, photos, biometric data, passport IDs, and license plate numbers of all the millions of people who cross the border. Which is why when motherboard reporter Joseph Cox reported in May that a hacker known as Boris the Bullet Dodger, yes, that's undoubtedly a Snatch reference. Boris the Blade, or Boris the Bullet Dodger. As bent as the Soviet sickle and as hard as the hammer that crosses it. Apparently, it's just impossible to kill the bastard. Said he'd hacked a license plate reader company called Perceptics, then posted a large cache of the stolen data on the dark web. Now, less than a month later, CBP issued a statement confirming a data breach at one of its contractors, the details of which line up with the Perceptics case. Though we can't confirm Perceptics was in fact the official breach, one thing is for sure. The news shows how your data that you willingly give up to the government can be hacked and dumped online against your will. To talk more about this story, we've got Mr. Cox and Motherboard EIC Jason Kebler to discuss just how massive the implications for future data retention are. Just think about it. This story comes on the cusp of groundbreaking attempts by the CBP to use facial recognition software along the border and collecting visitors' social media information. That's what we've got for today's Very Big Brother episode. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Well, guys, thanks for being on the show. Is this our first three, three-person pod? I think this is the first three-person pod. <laughs> Amazing. Two interviews at once. It's, uh, I'm very lucky. I'm a lucky guy. More of a roundtable than anything. More of a roundtable. A much more roundtable atmosphere. So, Joseph, let's start with you. So, we initially got the tip on a Thursday morning or mid-afternoon from this hacker who calls himself uh, Boris Bullet Dodger. Which is completely a Snatch a snatch reference, isn't it? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like old <laughs> English um, gangster movies. And we get this email, and it's from a hacker I already know. He has breached various other companies before and held them to ransom. That is pretty common nowadays to you. you break into a company, you steal their data, you try to get money from them, and if they don't play along, you put it online. So you get this email saying a company called Perceptics has been hacked and the data is available on the dark web. Um, and then we report it, verify the data, speak to someone at the company, and push out an article. I mean, it was only really interesting in that it involved the US government. Um, even indirectly, because various government departments were customers of this um, contractor. But apart from that, it was a pretty run-of-the-mill data breach at the time, apart from, yeah, there could be some sensitive information there around borders. But that was it. It was kind of a normal data breach story. Did you know what government departments were implicated in it? Uh, I mean, in there, there are references to the DEA and Customs and Border Protection, but they're not heavy references. It's stuff like PDFs and NDAs and that sort of thing. And then one of our other reporters, um, Caroline Haskins, she went through and provided all of this context of the other departments that 
Perceptus has worked with in the past. They have these license plate readers installed on, I think, the the US, Canadian and the Mexican border as well. So she provided the context of, well, this is what this company is and this is what they do. They scan license plates at the border. That is their bread and butter industry. Right. And they used to work with Northrop Grumman as well, which is obviously a huge uh, US military military contractor. Yeah, Yeah, it's a huge contractor. But at the time, we, we, like Joseph said, we didn't really know what was in this. So you didn't know, but I mean, at the time, did you contact Customs Border Patrol? I think we did, yeah. Um, we contacted various um, people who would be affiliated with this um, contractor. But as far as I can remember, the only people who did get back to us was an employee of Perceptics that I DM'd on LinkedIn. Uh, on the Thursday or the Friday, I believe, and just said, hey, you know, there's this data breach. Can we get your statement? And they just reply, yes, the breach has happened, but we can't comment any further because of a pending legal case. And that was part of our verification. We reported it. But then there's nothing for around a month. And, of course, there is this explosion when CPP does issue a statement about this breach. Did you have to find it yourself, or was this something that got sent to you? So the Washington Post reported it, uh, as well as BuzzFeed, TechCrunch, and a couple other places, but they all reported it at the same time, and it was a press release that CBP sent out to select few journalists. And when you saw it, you thought to yourself, well, oh, shit, this is... is basically, this the-, the Washington Post ran a two-sentence article that was like, CBP said that traveler data has been hacked and stolen, and... Uh, and that's all That's all it said. And I was like, oh, holy shit, this sounds exactly like what Joseph reported a month ago. So uh, Joseph was offline because he's in a different time zone and it was like later in the afternoon. So I emailed Customs and Border Patrol and I said, hey, like what's going on here? Is this the Perceptics hack? And they sent me the same uh, statement that they sent to everyone else. And I think that's what makes this very interesting or, or it's it's not that interesting it's more a sense of like what not to do around a hack like this because it's obviously extremely sensitive data and cbp handled it in probably the worst possible way right because you read the initial statement and as you said they say that well some hackers have stolen license plate images and quote traveler images collected by CPP. When you read that statement, and basically the headlines are all saying that, oh my God, customs uh, border protection was hacked, you're going to quite rightly assume this means airports, it could mean any sort of port of entry into the United States when your face gets scanned at any single point. And it sounds absolutely huge. I mean, to be totally honest, uh, when, as Jason said, it was later for me, he pings me or I see a message and I come online, I read the article. Initially, I didn't even link it to the Perceptics hack because it sounded so much bigger than the story we had published a month ago. By the phrasing of the statement um, and by leaving out so many specifics, it seems that customs really blew up the significance of this breach, which is not to say it's not significant. Of course it is. There are still still sensitive data and people's privacy has been invaded. But it's not like, as far as we know, all of the information from, I don't know, if you go into JFK and they take photos of you at the border or anything like that, it doesn't seem to be that data at all. Yeah, I mean, so, you can make the leap, yeah. like passport photos, facial recognition databases. Like some some journalists did said like facial recognition database stolen by hackers from CBP. And like that's not what CBP said, but their initial 
statement was so vague. It just says traveler images, uh, you know, mm. stolen from a subcontractor party. But then they come back for a, party. S- a second statement, though. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, I think um, J- Jason reached out or got the email from them, and then they said that the traveler images, again, they use those terms, involves fewer than a hundred thousand people uh, in vehicles entering, exiting the U.S. on specific points of the border, and specifically like two or three lanes of traffic. Wow, <laughs> it would have been great to have said that in your initial statement. Uh, this is like a perfect time of, first of all, why did they wait a month? Did they only just find out or whatever? And if they could have waited 24 hours to get that information, it would have been so much better. I don't know if they were working against the clock in some capacity, but yeah, that additional statement significantly reduced the impact of the story. Yeah, I really want to know what's going on here because CBP has been pretty vague about just like the specifics of this. But it said, you know, on May 31st, CBP learned about a subcontractor getting hacked. I think we reported the story like May 20 something. I think it was the 24th. Yeah, they made this statement June 10th. It's like, why did it take them so long to gather information? And then why wasn't that in in the original statement? Because they sent the second statement like, two hours later, three hours later, but it was already too late. It was like Washington Post had written about it. New York Times sent a news alert. Like it was out there and people were writing about it. And I'm not sure how much, like I haven't really seen Congress being like, we need to have hearings and sort of like having that whole next step of the news cycle happen. But in any case, what we're ultimately talking about here, if this indeed was the Perceptics hack, which CBP hasn't said that it was, but we think it is because they sent the Washington Post a Word document titled Perceptics. Uh, it's like, it's just bungle. It's like PR bungling. And usually the way that this works is a company or the government will say, oh yeah, like some data was stolen. It wasn't that bad. And then it comes out later, like actually this was way worse than originally thought. Yeah. And this is kind of the opposite. Well, that's kind of what I was going to say. Or, I mean, maybe they're bumbling the cover up a little bit or the damage control. And they're not really seeing the scope of this. Because, I mean, for me hearing this story, <clears throat> yes, as a journalist, I hear the two statements and sort of how much of a, of a fuck-up that was, giving us, as journalists, more information to go with and also making the story much worse than it already was. But the fact that there's a company that had private data of citizens and people going through the border, this, I mean, who gives their fingerprints knowingly to the U.S. government for nothing, right? Everyone, I've done it. I'm sure everyone else has done it that's gone through that border. Global entry, baby. Global entry. Oh, there we go. Well, I was on a watch list for a while, so you're lucky. Yeah. Lucky but, little. I mean, it, it does highlight the issue that, sure, when we agree to give information to a government for whatever purpose, let's say for health reasons, uh, especially in Europe, or for travel reasons if you're going through the U.S., that doesn't mean the data is only going to be with the government, right? Of course, a huge chunk is going to be with contractors and then subcontractors, and then even contractors under them may have access to this data. Exactly. I mean, I don't have to tell you this, Joseph, even though the stuff you did on you know, location tracking SIM cards, I mean, this is something like you think you're giving up information knowingly, you think it's protected in some way. And yeah, and it's going to trickle down. Yeah, and even it, you don't even know where it ends up, who it ends up with. And meanwhile, these exact agencies are pushing for bigger and bigger powers. I mean, I, I was reading that CBP wants enhanced facial recognition powers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I suppose it's getting a bit of an old example now, but even you do have to remember that, of course, 
Snowden was working for Booz Allen. The company that employed Edward Snowden, this man at the centre of the US surveillance programme leaks, Booz Allen Hamilton is their name. They're a management and con uh, technology consultancy firm. Their main client is the United States government. They work with nearly every federal agency from the Environmental Protection Agency to the Department of Homeland Security. Now, they're one of a number of private contractors whose profits have exploded since the huge rise in US intelligence spending since the early 2000s. When we do have significant data breaches from intelligence or maybe law enforcement agencies, more often than not, not exclusively, but more often than not, it does come from some sort of third party contractor who may not have the same sort of safeguards that a government agency will do. And yeah, that is what, more than anything, that is what this hack shows that we, as, as you say, we give data up, we don't actually know where it's ending up. We've no idea. I mean, it's just it's and it's shocking to me that CBP, with the statements, I mean, going back to this, the uh, question of these statements, how cavalier they were at first to sort of slough it off. Yeah, and, and then I mean, what's wh well? It, just it, some traveler images. I mean, just some traveler, just less than a hundred thousand people. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what sort of cybersecurity investigative powers, uh, you know. CBP has at the moment or the sophistication, but clearly it doesn't seem that sophisticated no. because it doesn't seem like they really know what's going on here, which I think is is pretty concerning. Um, you know, in that statement, in the initial statement, they said, you know, none of this data is available on the dark web. And we haven't published this story yet, and I'm not sure if we will get it by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, but dun, 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 dun. yeah, to be determined, if there's a story on Motherboard about this, uh, then we did get it. And if there's not, then it didn't really work out. But this data, the Perceptics data is on the dark web. Joseph is downloading it via Tor. It's taking a really long time. And the file names in that like suggest that this data is on the dark web. So it's either a different hack and like Customs and Border Patrol just isn't saying who was hacked, which yeah. they should say who was hacked. Uh, it's the same one, and Customs and Border Patrol has no idea how to download anything off the dark web, or the data that's on the dark web is something completely different, and all of the, like, what is what is this data on the dark web then? Because it's license plate scans, it's images, it's, you know, it looks like it's from the border. Yeah, I would just add that, of course, we can um, discuss <laughs> when and how we want to publish this. But yes, downloading the data is troublesome. And if we're going on the assumption that it is the Perceptics breach, there's a good chance that maybe CPP, before they got the incident response company in, whoever that may be, who'll be a lot more, you know, have a lot more expertise at getting data, maybe they simply did not know how to actually obtain this data. Without going into super specifics, it's not as simple as going to a website and pressing download. You have to use a very special tool, you have to route the traffic through Tor, and because of that, it takes a hell of a long time to download, kind of irrespective of how fast your internet connection is. And CPP said there was some specific information not on the dark web. Looking at the file directories that the hacker released, it looks like that data is there. But um, we'll, we'll see how that develops. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It just also shows how loosey-goosey this defense and surveillance uh, contracting works with the U.S. government. You know, like, you ha- at a certain point, you're getting these these third-party contractors in, and I'm sure they're getting paid quite handsomely, and they can't control the data. But this is something that's so indicative of the entire, the entire process of, of government contracting for very serious things. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these companies, obviously, they have people who go through security protocols and get security clearances and stuff like that. But once it leaves the U.S. government, like you said, it's not the safeguards are not there in the same way. Uh, CBP said that this company didn't follow all the guidelines, but I mean, we don't know that to be the case. It, it could be very easily that this company just got breached the, the way that tons of supposedly secure companies get breached all the time. I mean, here's a question for you. I mean, I, if we can say this, but this hacker, do we know? I, I know, Joseph, you said you, this is a hacker you know. Do they hack similar types of targets in the past? Um, this hacker seems to breach a whole slew of different companies. There's an insurance firm, I think, on there, potentially a law firm. One of the other targets that we previously covered was sort of an internet infrastructure firm, which is particularly popular in Germany. So they will provide infrastructure for, I don't know, popular um, shops in Germany and various other companies. And now they're hacking this US government contractor. I don't think they have a particular mandate when it comes to identifying and choosing targets. I imagine it's anything that happens to be vulnerable. Now, when they hacked that German company before, they definitely tried to extort them. The hacker told me that. And then someone at the company also told me that. But here... The hacker refused to answer any questions about their motivation behind the hack, and Perceptix didn't elaborate either. So we don't actually know if this was an extortion attempt outright, but given the hacker's previous activity, I mean, that would be my first guess on the actual motivation here, like some sort of financial gain. I mean, is this a case of a hacker dumping only a tricklet of what they have and trying to maybe get the company to play ball, or do you think this is is what they got, they put it online? I mean, typically you would think the hacker would only put a small amount online and then try to extort more money. That would make sense. But you look at this data set and it's something like 500 gigabytes worth of data. Like that is not a sample. Even 10 gigabytes would be a significant amount of material. This is so much stuff that, sure, maybe they have some more, but at this point it doesn't even matter. It is... Uh, potentially devastating to this company. Of course, it depends who downloads it and who uses it, be that competitors, you know, who may want to get into their business or whoever it may be. But it doesn't seem like a sample based on the size of it. Now. And CBP, is there any any question that they'll come back and give more information on this? Well, I've been emailing with CBP about saying, hey, look, you said this specific information wasn't on the dark web. I believe it is. Here is some evidence. And they do just... Um, not comment on the record after that. So I don't see them initially being more forthcoming. But again, because they're doing this sort of rolling out of information, it's possible they may have a third statement later on saying, oh, yes, no, it was actually limited in this scope or it only affected these sorts of people. I mean, I believe there was a letter from Senator Ron Wyden asking CPB to inform the people who had been included in this data. Of course, we don't even know if the government agency actually knows that at this point, if they have downloaded the data or not. So 
I do see them potentially issuing more information. How helpful that information is going to be is um, sort of a different question. Do you think this has at all hurt CBP's ability to then go to Congress and ask for wider powers? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some lawmakers, maybe wider than others, will use this as sort of an example of, hey, if you want to expand powers, and especially if you want to use contractors, this is the sort of thing that could happen. Um, I don't know if that is the most convincing argument in the world, but I do think that people may be able to make that argument. Yeah, because it is a useful case study to point to, at least. Yeah, I mean, I I guess the other thing, too, is the widens of the world, they understand these subjects very closely. Mm -hmm. But try explaining this breach to somebody who's voting on this, who doesn't quite understand subcontracting to a surveillance company by the CBP equals CBP's sort of wrongdoing. I guess to them, maybe they'll think, oh, you just add some more policy initiatives to it and you can prevent this from ever happening, give them the facial recognition powers that they want. Yeah, I mean, I guess just all these people need to remember is that, as we mentioned earlier, it is hard for um, even government departments sometimes to know where the the data they're collecting or their programs they're collecting ends up, let alone um, the end sort of user or the people going through these borders as well. Do you know of other countries that don't do this in terms of, let's say, maybe in Five Eyes or NATO that just uh, that, that keep this kind of data to government departments? Not as far as I know. I mean, again, I can totally be wrong on that. And it's just that contracting is such a vital part of our systems and economies that because, of course, not all of the technical know-how or the ability to do it cheaper is going to be within a government department, right? I mean, governments don't go to contractors just because they fancy outsourcing it. They're doing that for a reason, right? Be that because the contractor can do it cheaper or because maybe they have knowledge that um, the government department doesn't, yeah. Right. I mean, in this case, I, I mean, I, I can't really, I, I don't want to speculate, but this seems like it's almost a, I mean, it's a content retention problem as well as a, do you want to get that technology from that company and, and you know, use it, wield it yourself? Why do you have to subcontract that using the, the actual license plate reader and the information retention to that company. I mean, that seems like something that can be easily changed. Yeah, and on data retention, when you're going through the sort of data map which lays out the different files in there, there um, and according to CPB's statement, the second one, it was data collected over only a one-and-a-half-month period, which seems fair enough. But then you go in and there are some files which are dated from a lot longer, uh, lot longer ago than that, than that date. But... Um, yeah, it just depends how much these people collect because, of course, if you don't collect certain pieces of data, it's not going to get breached. And that is something that probably, you know, tech companies or subcontractors or government departments may want to bear in mind anyway. That if you don't collect this data in the first place, then it's going to be a lot harder to um, end up on the dark web. Now, will most of these types of companies that get breached like this, do they pay? Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, there are... It does happen, especially when it comes to ransomware, which, of course, is malware, which much more deliberately locks down a device because sometimes it can just be cheaper to pay a, you know, ransom to a ransomware author than to try to kick them out of the system. Here, it's, it's difficult to say. Another 
another hacking group called the Dark Overlord, which has done extortions in the past, they claim that victims have paid them before. And they did much of the same sort of approach, which is they would go to a company, they would steal the data, they would list it on the dark web, and then they would also go to media outlets as well to try to generate pressure um, to put on that victim, as we've spoken in a previous episode. So it's apparently effective. We're just not sure how much, because, of course, once they pay victims aren't really going to want to talk about it. Well, the other thing I'm, I'm thinking is Perceptix, maybe they got breached in a way that was pretty difficult to do, and sort of this CBP statement saying that they screwed up, it sort of also feeds into this naming and shaming kind of environment of cybersecurity that, you know, the minute a company gets breached, we all kind of point the finger and tell them, oh, you're the worst, you should have done better, when really they were taking the precautions, and at the end of the day, everyone's going to get hacked at some point. Yeah, of course, it's hard to say. We don't know exactly how Perceptus was hacked. I would just say that sort of, I believe on the day that CPB issued its statement, I did get back in touch with Boris Bullet Dodger, the hacker involved. And I sort of asked him, hey, do you think this was you with um, Perceptics and the hack you did? He would just replied, hey, I'm well. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? And then he said that I think the idiots manage the company Perceptics. So clearly he, he or they don't have the highest opinion of this company. Of course, that doesn't mean that it wasn't hard to get in. We don't really know. But yeah, this hacker doesn't really, um, doesn't really have much sympathy for his victim, it seems. Well, Boris the Bullet Dodger, I guess, strikes again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Joseph, thanks for being on the show. Thank Talk you. to you Appreciate soon. Cheers, you too. Bye. This week's episode was recorded by John Northcraft, edited by Dean White, voiced by me, and produced by Lorenzo Franceschi Bicirai. You will be hearing from us next week. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.